Hello, and welcome to the Hot Rod Bible Study. Tonight we are concluding our study in the book of First Peter with our study of chapter 5. Again, uh, the book of, well, the books of First and Second Peter, the epistles, if you will, the letters uh, that Peter wrote, that God used Peter to write, are uh, not only instructive, but encouraging, which I think we all need. And so with that, let's, let's open with prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we get to share together in your word. Again, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. We thank you that we have the Paul Harvey, the, the rest of the story. We have all the scriptures that we can spend time in studying. Thank you, Lord, for that. Again, open our hearts and minds to your word. And as always, keep me out of the way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, First Peter chapter 5 says, The elders who are among you I exhort, I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he might exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanius, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God in which you stand. She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greets you. And so does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right. Again, we're finishing up our study in First Peter with, with the chapter 5. And this is under the heading of shepherding the flock, where it begins in verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort. 
I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker in the glory. Okay, elders. Um, this happens to be those who are mature in the faith. Uh, and what do I mean by that? Well, there are those who are not necessarily uh, collecting Social Security, who can serve as elders being somewhat mature, well, hopefully, real mature in the faith. Uh, when, I, when I was in my early 30s, I was asked to be on the board of elders at our church. Uh, I initially declined. Uh, then the gentleman that was asking me said, well, I need you, and... <laughs> Then he said, well, no, the Lord needs you. Interestingly enough, that really convicted me, and I said yes. Now, at, when you're in your early 30s, you certainly shouldn't be considered an elder. And I considered these guys that I served with as being the, well, they were the, the leaders of the church, and I considered them as having it all together. Uh, fortunately... Uh, for me, I went through a number of years there, and one of the years we went on a elders retreat, an elders retreat. And I found out that these guys, whom I had known all these years, who were just a little bit younger than my parents, uh, they had the same kind of troubles as I did. All, every, all God's children's got trouble. And this really proves the point that God doesn't call the equipped he equips the called. And boy, am I glad he did that. Okay, He goes on here to say, I am a fellow, fellow elder. He isn't saying, I'm the apostle and you elders got to listen to me. No, he is saying, I am a fellow elder with you. A fellow servant of Christ. I have been blessed to work with a number of pastor mentors over my life, and they, those whom I grew exponentially in my faith under, were all cut of the same cloth as Peter in this manner, where they served alongside. They didn't consider themselves greater than those whom they served with. And Peter goes on to say that he was witnessed the sufferings of Christ. We all know that. Uh, he saw how uh, Jesus was beaten. Uh, he saw um, how uh, he, well, he was not only beaten, but he suffered the slings and arrows, if you will, of the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Peter was a witness of all this. But he goes on to say, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Let's, let's look at Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9, where it says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared with them, talking with him. 
Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, for Moses, and one for Elijah. Remember, our uh, uh, our hero Peter here uh, was a little bit impetuous, right? Verse 5 goes on to say, While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. This is the glory. Okay, we will be partaking as Peter is also referring to partaking in the glory of God with him in that wonderful day when we meet him face to face. Here, though, our friend and hero Peter can say that he was there. He was there at the transfiguration. And that gives us us a bit of a foretaste of the things to come. Verse 2, shepherd the flock. Of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Okay. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. All right. Shepherding the flock. Jesus spoke to our hero Peter after the resurrection and, and Jesus was asking Peter if he loved him. And and Peter said, well, you know I do, Lord. And Jesus continually, well, Jesus said three times, feed my lambs, feed my flock. In other words, when we are placed in a position of leadership in the church, we are to take compassion on those who are in the church with us. And I don't mean just whatever church you belong to. I mean in the body of Christ. We have to be compassionate and feed them just as we desire to be fed. Okay. We all need to be fed. All right. It says, of God, which is shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. I don't know of anyone who has ever had to do something that they, uh, by compulsion, right, that uh, they did a good job of. You know, they were not doing it willingly, they do it grudgingly. He says, not for dishonest gain. You know, we could probably have an entire study and on all those who have gone into the ministry for dishonest gain. And that's a sad state of affairs. Of course, we all are sinners. It says, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. Not saying, again, ha, 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 I'm the guy in charge. You need to listen to what I have to say. Remember, Peter says, here, I am a fellow elder. Okay? It says, being examples to the flock. Again, an example of servant leadership. 
And when the chief shepherd, namely Jesus, appears, you will receive a crown of glory that does not fade away. This does not apply only to those who are called to be shepherds, but this crown of glory that does not fade away is for all of us who are faithful to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's the winning thing that we get. All right. Verse 5. This is under one of those things that everybody likes to hear about submitting. It says, submit to God, but resist the devil. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Okay, you younger people, those who are younger in the faith. Think about that. I know of a number of friends who were radically changed by Jesus Christ after they were in their 50s, even 60s, okay? And and they submit to the teachings of those who are bringing the gospel message to them. Okay, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one to another. Okay, all of us, we need to be submissive, which is also a showing of honor to one of no, one another in the faith. This submit and uh, submissive is those are two words, well, it's the same word, same root word, uh, we don't necessarily like to hear. We don't like to be submissive. We want to be the man what's in charge. Except for those who have been the man what's in charge, <laughs> and it isn't as much fun as it sounds like. Okay. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Why? Well, it says right here, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. This is Proverbs 3, 34. Okay, resist the proud. Oh, there's that word of pride. You know, it's been said, and you've heard it said more than once, that money is the root of all evil. Of course, that's a misquote. The quote is, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money in itself is not inherent, inherently uh, evil. It's the love thereof. But I would submit to you that pride can be the root of all evil. Or at least, as money can be the root of all kinds of evil, so can pride. Because we won't listen to others. We will not submit. And if we won't listen to others and we will not submit to them, we have a hard time doing the same thing with God. We have a hard time submitting ourselves to Jesus. Okay. Humility. Well, here's, here's a couple of signs of humility that David Guzik points out. It says some marks of humility are the willingness to perform the lowest and littlest services for Jesus' sake. Okay? Uh, the cleaning of toilets at church, right? 
Well, if you're doing it to the glory of God, whatever you're doing, you know, usher, what, whatever you do, the lowest and littlest service for Jesus' sake, right? I, I was, again, blessed to serve under a number of pastors who were great servant leaders. I remember one of them mentioning that he needed to talk to one of the younger guys that was on staff with him about the fact that, hey, if somebody's coming in the door, open the door for him. Or if they're, they got packages, hey, can I help you? To be a servant leader. Another uh, mark of humility is the consciousness of your own inability to do anything apart from God. That's the case. That is the case. Uh, I can remember that I think I've shared with you the one time at a family dinner, and I have to uh, admit that our family dinners, uh, there was always a discussion after the family dinner. My family uh, arguing for sport. And one time, uh, my father laid it out really well. He just said, you know, without the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing. You have your own inability to do anything apart from God. And another mark of humility is the willingness to be ignored of men. When you speak your faith, uh, it's interesting how you'll get different responses. And some are them who wish to now ignore you. Oh no, there comes that Bible banging willy. <laughs> Anything but the, but the case. But once they find this out. All right. Verse 6 goes on. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. He exalts you. You don't exalt yourself. Again, there's that pride thing. You don't exalt yourself. Okay? Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. Luther says, The person who knows that he has a Father who is gracious to him through Christ truly knows God. Cast your cares on Him, for He cares for you. Verse 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We're talking about Satan walking about the earth. Hmm, reminds me of a study that we were in a year and a half or so ago on Job. So, Job 1, verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, Where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking back and forth on it. Okay, this has been going on ever since the fall. And I'm not talking about autumn. I'm talking about the fall of man into sin. Okay. Seeking whom he may devour. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. 
He can never be content, speaking of Satan, till he sees the believer utterly devoured. He would rend him in pieces and break his bones and utterly destroy him if he could. Do not, therefore, indulge the thought that the main purpose of Satan is to make you miserable. He is pleased with that, but that is not his ultimate end. Sometimes he may make you happy. Think about that. For he hath dainty poison, sweet to the taste, which he administers to God's people. He, If he feels that our destruction can be more readily achieved by sweets than by bitters, he certainly would prefer that which would have the best effect. Hmm. Again, if you are doing something for God, Satan wants you. He doesn't want you to be in the presence of God. And he will do everything he can to mess that up. Verse 9 says, what? Resist him. How do we resist him? Okay, let's go back to Matthew again. Matthew chapter 4. If I can get to my right bookmark here. Matthew chapter 4 says from verse 1. To 11, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of Man, of God, pardon me, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall hear, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to them, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and administered to him. How do you resist the devil? By knowing God's word. When Satan misquoted God's word, Jesus straightened him out. And how did he do that? Through scripture. Have that. That is that, 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 that breastplate of faith, right? The armor of God is in God's word. That's how we resist him. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. If you are serving the Lord, you're going to suffer somehow or to another. Verse 10, But when the God of all grace, who has called us to his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after you have suffered a while, okay, now we're going to look at John chapter 17, verse 
33, and I didn't mark it properly. I've got to turn the page. Hope my fingers work. Okay. Come on, Willie. You got it. See, how do you like that? That be prepared stuff. Wait a minute. There's no such thing as John 17, 33. Well, guess what? Maybe it's John 16. There it is. It's John 16, 33. You see... You can't trust a guy whose eyesight's failing. Okay. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Okay. After we have suffered for a while, perfected, established, and strengthened, and settled you. Okay. Christ will do that. He has overcome the world. Right. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is the final farewell where he says, By Silvanius, our faithful brother, as I consider him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is a true grace of God in which you stand. Silvanius. His name in Aramaic is Silas. You may have heard of Paul and Silas in prison. You may have heard of Peter and Silas. What Silas and or Silvanius, whichever way you wish to have it, uh, he worked with both Paul and Peter uh, as a scribe, among other things. You see, these letters were at times dictated to uh, again, someone like Silas. Okay, and this is Paul, pardon me, Peter in his own handwriting, uh, finishing up the letter, where he says, She who is in Babylon, elect together with you, greet you, and so does my, does Mark my son. She who is in Babylon, okay, that refers to the church in Rome, okay, both of those cities. Uh, were very, well, how do, how do you want to say, sinful, I guess that would be the best thing to say, sinful and persecuting of believers. If we go back into the Old Testament, uh, that's what Babylon did. By this time, Babylon wasn't the big power that it once was where Rome was, though, and that's where the persecution was going on. Mark, my son, uh, son in the faith, uh, Mark, is John Mark, who was the one who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Um, again, you can look further into that if you desire. Verse 14 goes on to say, Greet one another with a kiss of love. <laughs> I always like to tell guys, aren't you glad we don't do that in our uh, uh, society today? It's not, it's, it's not the... Uh, Oh, the culture of our our current society. But I always have to think about, and you guys will remember with me, I believe it was in, I don't recall, 68 or 9, when Mario Andretti won the Indianapolis 500, and oh, Annie Granatelli laid a big one on him, man. You know, the kiss. It was a big deal. Again, cultural, a way of greeting one another and uh, I would encourage my friends to refrain from trying to kiss me. Okay, now it ends up, 
Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Shalom. Shalom. Peace be to you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay. Questions, comments, smart aleck remarks? Seeing none, my producer director is sitting there smiling at me and not asking anything, so that's great. But again, please do not hesitate. If there is something that I have said that sounds wonky, do not hesitate to call me on it. Let's look at it. Let's look at it. That's why we're here. We're here to be in God's Word. We're here to not only not only instruct, but to encourage, just as this book was written to do. So with that, now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.